0: Hi and welcome to The Final Whistle. This is Deepan. This is Kabir. Before we get started, I would like to take this time to express our condolences to the late Salim Moen's family and friends. The former Singapore international footballer Salim Moen was 59 and was an excellent servant to Singapore football. He had coaching spells at Gombak United, Ballester Khalsa, Tempanese Rovers and perhaps most memorably at Woodlands Wellington, who he led to a 5th place finish in 2013. Mr Salim returned to Hagong United where he was head coach in 2015 and eventually served as an assistant coach with Clementeo. Uh, scrolling through my social media feed this week uh, you could see the impact he has left behind on players both past and present on behalf of the Singapore football community The Final Whistle would like to extend our sincere gratitude to Mr. Salim Moyen in the next 45 minutes to an hour or so. What do you hope to learn from today's guest? I mean, why is he here today? If you've watched the local game, you know who he is. And I've always known who he is, but
1: I've never got to know him. So when we got him on the show, as usual, I start, uh, we start reading up about our guest and everything. And this man's story is impressive, bro. <laughs> I mean, he went to sports school and then he went to VJC and then he was in the commandos unit. <laughs> and then uh, he played in the NFL. And then the, uh, he had graduated from NTU. At the same time, he was playing football. Had a stint in Japan. Yeah, and he's of course, yeah, played for the Lions. And so I really want to know, how the hell does he balance all this? And how the hell does he handle the pressures that come with whatever that he's
0: done in life? Exactly. Exactly what you say is why I invited um, our guest today. Mm. Uh, no slouch. You, yeah, if you remember, like <laughs> I wanted to have him quite early on on the show yeah. because of his story and his background, which is so different from our modern-day footballers in the SPL. Uh, It's time to introduce our guest. Uh, Like you said, he's played for the national team. He's had a stint stint in Japanese football. We've got current Haugang United defender, Anders Apley in the studio. Welcome to the show, Anders. How are you? Thanks for having (laughs) me. (laughs) Before we get started, Anders, I'd just like to get your thoughts on the late Salim Mohen. I understand that you knew him quite well when you were young. Uh, What kind of person was he? Uh,
2: He and and Clement were both like uh, father figures. If you ask ask any of the, the NFA batch, my batch, You know, people like Madhu, Safan, we were all under the two of them when we were 16. Um, He was was very strict with us, but he would always protect us. You know, he would always demand that we... The moment we step onto the field, we give it everything we got. And then everything outside the field, he will handle for us. You know, so we really looked up to him. And and it's a huge loss for, you know, for all of us.
0: Uh, In terms of your development, he must have been very crucial because he came at an age where you, you have to grow up as a player. I mean, how much of a teacher was
2: he? Yeah, very formative, yes. He he was the one who always, um, you know, the little mean streak that I have was, you know, I, I could probably say yeah, thanks to him. Um, Yeah, he always told us, you know, never, never shy away from tackles. You know, mm-hmm. that's the number one thing when you go in. And I think it reflected how he was in his playing days. He was a bit of a, you know, a character, yeah. if I can say. <laughs> um, yeah, and that some of that maybe rubbed off on, on some of us. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh let's get started with the podcast with Enders today. Uh Anders, the first question that we always ask our guests is the childhood days. Uh what was your childhood like? Um was it football from the get go?
2: Yeah. Um I remember we my brothers and I and my parents actually we, we used to have a... you know, those Ikea foam balls. Mm-hmm. And then we used to kick around in the living room, smash a few mirrors, broke a few. <laughs> but you know, it's all good and then um when we're not playing, we're watching um, Liverpool, bro. So, you're um, a Liverpool fan? Whole family, yeah. Wow, okay. And okay. And yeah, so so that started at, at a young age. Um, and then, had the chance to play in school and, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, I'm very happy that I managed to turn pro.
0: So, when, when you say you started in school, primary school, I assume, you started mm. playing football. Which primary school was
2: this? I was in ACS primary. Okay. We were not known for our football, but, uh, I think our year we we managed to get like third third internationals, which which was a big big achievement for all mm-hmm. of us. Then, yeah,
0: I, I know that both of your parents are at least were lecturers at NTU, so I'm sure studies and and education would be forefront of the mind. So how was that like? I mean, were they pressuring you to focus on your studies and not so much on your football?
2: <laughs> yeah, they were both educators, but they were both um, sports people as well. Like, so they would always encourage us to find a balance. Mm-hmm. You know, they would never ever tell us you know, stop playing your soccer, go and study, you know, it's always, you know, make sure you handle your time well. Okay. And, and that's really how, you know, I learned to balance, you know, academic and sporting pursuits.
0: But from your own perspective, um, in your mind, were you confident that you wanted to become a footballer at that, at that time? Or was it
2: more of like, if I get there, then I'll play? ha bro when I was young I want to play for Liverpool bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um,
0: no see I always have, wanted to play do you have
2: those dreams huh? to play for Liverpool <laughs> oh. I mean with Van Dyke injured never uh, <laughs> <haven't I>, know <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah no I really always it's always been a childhood dream to play football professionally mm-hmm. uh, Singapore might not be the the most ideal country to be a footballer but you know that. If you really take your your chances, you can really make a you can, you can pursue your your dreams. Mm-hmm. If you can say,
0: yeah. So when you, when you were in your the NFA system,
2: um, were you still doing well in school? NFA. Uh, well, I spent three years at um, JC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took I took the A levels the first time, didn't do so well. Thought you know maybe I should do it again, and that's when I sort of faded off the radar, I had to, you know, A-levels is a different animal, you know, it's yeah. not like O-levels. Uh, It's not like university, but, so, that was really a, a hard one, two years for me, you know, trying to do both.
0: Mm-hmm. This was after your sports school stint, or, mm. so, of course, the, the obvious question is, I mean, I understand that most of your peers at that time in sports school would have gone to poly, or, you know, taken a higher night tech in IT, or, or or something similar. Or Young Lions. Yeah, or, li- <laughs> <laughs> or Young Lions, but, uh, what made you make that decision to go into Victoria, I assume? Yeah. Yes, Victoria. So, what, what was behind the decision? Was it a parents-led decision or?
2: No, no, but um, Victoria has a very strong sporting culture. That's there's, there's always been, you know, you have VS and VJ, they're very into their, their sports and they're very supportive. Um, And, you know, having spent four years in a sports school trying to balance soccer and studies, I thought I could, you know, take that to the higher level, to A-levels mm-hmm. and, and and my my football, you know. Um, but it was not as easy as I thought it would be.
0: So yeah. how was that? Like, uh, how do you juggle
2: it? Well, traveling was an issue because, you know, we, we had school training and then um, I had a lot of extra classes. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I had to rush off to training to to Clement and to Salim. And we used to train at IT, CMI, I think. It wasn't very far. Okay. Yeah, but uh, towards the exam season was a bit like, a bit tough, a bit, tough, a bit yeah. tough,
0: yeah. So, just for a bit of context, who are some of your NFA batch mates?
2: Well, those who are still playing, Madhu, Akari,
0: Safwan. So, was the level Kai. extremely competitive? Like, could you tell from the age where you knew like these guys were going to go on to be proper? Are <laughs> you talking about Safwan and, and yeah. all
2: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys, and, you know, especially after I faded off, I, you know, I see them on TV, you know, the Lion, Young Lions, and then after they went on the Lions 12, yeah. And then I'm playing NF, NFL. Then yeah, I'm thinking, wow, if not for A levels, bro. <laughs> yeah. You you felt that genuinely. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you feel a bit. You know, your ex teammates are doing well in mm. the in the industry, and then you are sort of getting pushed onto a different path.
0: Yeah. At that time, when you were in N- N- NF- uh NFA, did you feel like you had what it takes to become a professional footballer, or was it more of like? Uh, maybe if I get a chance then I could become a professional. Like, were you aware that you were quite talented or was that not the case? Ah, uh, no.
2: Pfft, what, honestly, if I were to compare myself to Safwan and technically they're way better than me. Okay. You, you, like, you, you knew that? I, I knew from, from a young age that, you know, technically I wasn't the best. Okay. You know, but I was uh, fitter than some of them. Mm-hmm. I got bigger than some of them. Okay. I got a bit... <laughs> <laughs> <than that> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but I never never gave up on that dream of playing professionally even, even though, when you
0: went away from the system
2: Um, yeah there was always a little bit in me which you know, you know I want to get back in there Yeah.
0: Okay, going then, back to your
1: A-levels uh, with your parents as educators mm. and then when you didn't do well in your A-levels did they say anything did they <laughs> guy, hey, stop playing football la. no
2: they never they, they stuck to their principles they never ever told me to stop Doing what I really love, which mm. is football, but they they supported me in other ways they could, you know. My my mom got me tuition, uh, you know, just nagged a bit more. Yeah. And I understand
0: that when you were in Victoria, you were from what I've heard, you were a super player in the A, a, a division at that time. Uh how was that like playing in that scenario after going through, you know, the whole NFA system, do you feel like you're better than most players when you're playing the tournament?
2: No, no, no. no There's some good players in at, at the A Division. Some of the I had this um I, I don't know if you know, I played striker in, oh, in okay. JC. Okay. Um and in Okay, wait. The defenders that we've had on yeah, the show. We've
1: all, all started as strikers and then got- <laughs> and then we got, yeah, <laughs> got, yeah, <laughs> got pushed back, no, no, go Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah. so how how were you as a striker were you the who, typical who, hold up striker yeah,
2: and who made you a defender We we'll answer his question first who made me a defender well I don't know I, no I was I was really a, a centre back uh, at the NFA setup but mm. ah, okay. when I played in A division uh, coach decided you know just push oh, me up okay. fun genuinely which do you enjoy more ah <sighs> Oh, if I'm honest, yeah, I'm better at the back but I do sometimes like to, you know,
0: venture forward. Venture
2: right? forward. Yeah, that's the <laughs> word.
0: And uh, one major facet of your life has been your national service. I, w- I wouldn't call it a career but your national service life. Uh, I think Cabri had a, had a question about, you know, whether it was a choice
2: to go into commandos mm. or was it a, a vocation that was given to you and you had to do it? Oh, it was a sign. I went for the vocational assessment, something, and then got thrown in there. Mm. And, and
0: I'm sure you would have been aware straight away that that's the end of football for the two years at least.
2: Yeah, I tried a few times to get released. Okay. You know to go out and play. Uh, but uh, no, no way. No, no choice, man.
1: You, yeah. I think no way, yeah. Yeah. commandos, no man. Way.
2: But yeah, I really, I loved it. Yeah. I loved, mm. I really enjoyed it. I stayed on extra year though. You stayed on extra year. <laughs> I stayed on
0: extra year. Why? Yeah. Why was that decision made?
2: Ah, the actual thing. I was arrowed to do. Uh, NDP. Okay. Right and. So my OC arrowed me. He's like, unless you're going to do NDP. I'm sending you for it. I'm like, no, oh, sir, please don't. Lah. Anything but that. And then he threw me a curveball. He's like, okay, then you go for Ranger. Lah. Then I was like, huh? What's that, sir? <laughs> he showed me the, the tab and all, right? Then I was like, huh? If you can do, I can do. So, uh, okay, lah, sign me up. Lah. i go for it. Oh, uh, big shock. Oh, big shot.
1: But at the uh, time you already, you I was, I was
2: nearing my Wadi date. I was like a few months from.
1: The, oh, you the, give up when I working? passed out
2: of Ranger I supposed to already like two days after that so I decided you know like uh, I'll stay an extra year finish a finish I had, I had a company detachment under me mm-hmm. yeah so I thought wouldn't be right to just leave like that so decided to spend another year there
0: so being a commando is it as tough as what people make it out to be?
2: Ah, it's all in your mind, bro. It's all in your mind. <laughs> so, was it tough for you? <laughs> it is tough. It, there were some of my toughest times in there, yeah. But you learn a lot about yourself, you know, when you go through all that. Mm-hmm. It helps I, you mean, a I mean,
0: a very cliche question, but um, your time as a commando, like, did that help you in football at all?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, commandos, they're very proud of what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they take pride in, in everything, their training and everything there's always this culture of excellence, trying to be the best. And I think, you know, I've been trying, it's good to apply what you learn there in other aspects. You mm-hmm. know, So, yeah, I think that some of my gameplay is modeled after what I learned in Commandos.
0: That's nice. Uh, After NS, you know, how did you gain a connection back into football?
2: Mm, after NS, I, I was in uh, NTU mm-hmm. and I was playing Sunday League Okay. And for the uni team. Okay. And Ramu was the coach, was the NTU coach and mm-hmm. he was also the coach for SRC. Okay. Right. So he told me, you know, why don't you join, you know, you play NFL, you can play at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll do that. And then a couple of years later, I played against Ishun Sentek, mm-hmm. and I think Noali saw me and then...
0: Noali was the coach for Sentech?
2: I'm not sure if he was assisting Gusta or... Yeah, but... He, he called me up. Um, I was playing for Happy Feet as well. And, and Sugo from Happy Feet and Noali they called me up. Told me, uh, there's a trial tomorrow at Bedok. And, and I'm all the way at Bunle NTU, right? I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm there. I'm there. 7am, I'm there. Yeah. So you knew like this was your trial. chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was very excited for that. You
0: know, grabbed it. So, I mean, the obvious question is, before you went for the trials, was your mindset like, ah, I'm a former NFA player, this is going to be no, simple for me. I think all yeah. the players <laughs> <are> easier. <laughs> was, was it like that?
2: No, um, oh, the the Geylang team at that time had a lot of sports school juniors of mine. Okay. You know, Shafiq Ghani, Stanley, Kasimi, Safiro, all these. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with some of them. Uh, Arab was there, the, mm-hmm. the late Shah Ahmad Samad was there. Um, so they made me feel welcome. But, if you remember that Geylang team, they had players like Daniel Banner, Issa Halim, you know, big names. Players I watch at the National Stadium, you know, yeah. the Tiger Cup, all that. And then now you're training them. So for that year, you know, I was really, it had to be on my toes, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Was the level tough for you in the beginning? It, uh, not, not really. I think it's the pressure that you put on yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, if I were to compare NFL player and an athlete player, technically, I wouldn't say there's much difference. Just the athlete player has a lot more training, a lot more guidance, you know.
0: yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant segue because we were planning mm. to ask about uh, the whole NFL and the difference in the step up to the SPL. Uh, do you genuinely believe that uh, someday we could introduce a relegation promotion system where the clubs from the, the <laughs> NFL could make a step up into the SPL? Like do in you think- FM, huh? Yeah,
2: like an FM. Yeah. <laughs> it, do you think that's possible? Uh not in my opinion, not in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Not for lack of talent, but lack of resources, I would I would say. Um okay. you know, I've been through I've played an NFL club and uh the resource, you know, sometimes when we when we used to have games, the manager will pack sandwiches for us, you know, he will mm-hmm. come and tonpong you, you know, like Everything you can do to help the team when you're when you're short of you know resources, and I think that's the biggest kind of stumbling block. It's not we not 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 say there's a lack of talent. You know, if there are good players in NFL. There are young players there, but I think it's more of the infrastructure and and the money.
0: So you might think that the solution would be to pour more funds into the the second tier, like You would say,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope that you know the whole ecosystem. You can't just focus on one. I know now there's a huge eye on youth development. Yes. You know, but you know, it doesn't start at 23 years old. It starts mm-hmm. way younger than that.
1: So as a as an former as a former NFL player um, why don't why do why do you think that we don't see more NFL players being scouted mm-hmm. and into like how how you were scouted by Yeah, I, I
0: think in recent years it's been him, Shawal yeah. uh, very few examples they can think of like why does it not happen more regularly?
1: Because you said there's, the talent is there but it's not getting uh, the opportunities.
2: Well, if I can, you know, recall most of the players, most of my teammates back in my NFL days were holding jobs mm. or they were students, you know, and it maybe it's a huge hurdle to cross, mm-hmm. you know, to give up all that and pursue this thing, you know. It takes a bit of balls to give out your job just to, you know, play football, right?
0: Okay. Uh, that's what, a fair point, yeah. which is why, okay, my next question would be... um. What if we had a semi-pro league where you would have players from the NFL or rather teams from the NFL coming up into the, the Singapore Premier League, but they can hold on to their day jobs and still play night matches in the SPL? Do you think that is a scenario that could work? What, what are the possible downfalls of it?
2: It could work. I mean, in Singapore, obviously it's not, you know, you, you in in Europe, at the lower leagues, you see something like that. Yeah. Uh. Well, if your employers are on board, if your employers are supportive, um, I used to be with Deloitte. Yep, and they were very, very supportive. Um, so you know they allowed me time off when I had game days. Um, so I think it, you know it requires more buy in from employers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has to be on the same page. But how how do the employers gain from that arrangement? It's a yeah, that's yeah. a tricky thing. Um. You see, footballers, we we train two three hours. Mm. The rest of the day, we are spent. You know, some players we go for swims. We, you know, maintain others. I don't know what they do, mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Can do something productive. I'm just saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah. Tricky. That's a big question but, that has to be. But for answered. you,
1: when you were you were working for, you I mentioned... was with Deloitte. For, yeah. So for a few how years. was the arrangement like?
2: Um, and what did they gain from that arrangement? I, I don't know I think deloitte has they've been supporting national athletes across not mm-hmm. not just in football. I think there's a few netballers and mm-hmm. and other other athletes there so um but it's it's good from the point of view of the athlete you know you mm. you have a career you have a career there, and you know sports is not an old man's game right or, you know you could suffer an injury and that's it you're done um so having that peace of mind um and it allows you other opportunities. You know, you develop your sports, but you also develop, you know, other other areas of interest. Um, yeah. You, you,
0: you feel genuinely that, you know, if given the opportunity to, you know, juggle work and football, you feel a lot more players will be coming into the SPL. Do you feel that way? I mean, based on your interactions with like, like your former NFL I mean, teammates. You're,
2: you're referring to like, you know, scouting from... NFL NFL and... and...
0: So if a club was to... Let's just say there's a player X in NFL who Mm. has a daytime job. Uh, If a club were to approach him and say like, uh, you know, go and talk to your employers. We are willing to employ you to play for our club. You Mm. don't have to attend every training but just come for our matches. Do you think that's an arrangement that could probably work? Do you think clubs are willing to do that?
2: I think some would. Some might not, you know. Some uh, club management might feel that, you know, you're employed by us. Mm. You know, football has to be your, your everything. Mm-hmm.
0: But do you think that's a sacrifice that we should be making? I
2: mean, if let's say you want
0: to go into full-time work, mm. do you think uh, your employers at the club level will be understanding to allow you to still play for them but still hold a daytime job?
2: But if I was a club official, I would see no issue with that. You would say no issue with uh, yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't see an issue. Unless you're telling me, you know, you're going to do great food then, you know, riding a motorcycle and Mm. playing football isn't exactly the best mix. Okay, Uh,
0: that's fair enough. And earlier we were talking about, you know, the A-levels, or rather mm. A-division. You've said that you've seen talented players there. I mean, I've seen talented players there as well. And even playing for, watching some of the NTU matches, there are talented players there as well. Uh, Not just in NTU, NUS Mm. and all these other unis. Um, Is there a way we can get them into Singapore football? I mean, is there a way where we can involve them? Because we've had like former guests uh, in the past, like Gotat Choy, you know, who was, who was from a uni as well and he played semi professionally at the Singapore for the Singapore national team. Uh, do you think we'll be able to increase our talent pool so much more if we can get these uni players involved? And how can we do that?
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, but you know, uni university students, their biggest concern is finding employment after you get that paper, right? Yep. And you know, a lot of them the the stumbling block comes when they're faced with that choice. You know, do I pursue my passion or do I pursue my rice bowl? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, unfortunately, we're not in like Europe where a football career can set you for life. You know, um, academics still plays a huge part of you know life here. Um, but yeah, it's wasted. You know, there's a lot of talent in in schools and in, in NFL.
0: Yeah, um, it, they all go through the black hole uh, I would say as yeah. you, uh, and how about your own perspective when you made when you made the decision when you graduated mm. um, was there a choice between okay I think I should put football aside now uh, I'm
2: a big boy I've graduated <laughs> uh, let's go into full time work do you have to think about that no for me it was making up on lost time you ah. know I've always wanted to uh, play for the national team mm-hmm. and when that trial came you know I thought yeah, this degree is going to wait for me. Well, the paper's not going to expire, right? Mm. You know, your bachelor's degree is not going to expire. But your body will eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I put football as my priority.
1: You, That's, you, a, that's a nice way to put it. Uh. Your, yeah. yeah, your paper's going to wait for you. Mm. It's still always going to be there. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of your football career, I think at Geylang, it took off pretty well. I would say like you rose through the ranks quite quickly and you, you started to nail down a first team spot. Uh, And then came the big opportunity in the sense where you got picked to go on trials with uh, Matsumoto, uh, eventually earning a contract. Um, How was that experience? Like, were you... Do you have the self-belief that you'll be able to earn a contract with uh, Matsumoto?
2: (laughs) Not really, but... uh, (laughs) Honest guy, Whatever, (laughs) whatever. You know, whatever comes my way, I'll just just tell myself I do my best. You know, whatever happens. Just have no regrets. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, I give it my best shot. Mm -hmm. And when it happened and I went over... Yeah, I was I was thrilled, but oh, it was a high opener, bro. In what Thrill. sense? The level of football there is is different, and not not just that. Like the the effort that goes on, not just on the field, you know, on the training ground. Um, they they do your nutrition, they do your they take care of your body. The whole setup there is like, never seen it before? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, totally different step up from whatever we have here, lah. <laughs> la. <laughs> can you can you maybe walk us
1: through what happens on a daily basis in, in when japan, I was in japan. in japan uh japan
2: la, over here. we used to train <laughs> twice okay oh. I, so i i lived in a dorm for the so the club has an academy okay and the academy players stay in stay in the dorm and everything's provided there there's a there's a cook. uh you do your laundry there everything um and so i stayed there with uh with Noali. right yeah and so, a typical day will involve me waking up about 6 in the morning, having my breakfast. And then...
1: Breakfast I, prepared by the... There's dope. a... Yeah. Uh.
2: And it's all healthy stuff, you know? Mm. Like your your vegetables and your mm. fish and all that. Very healthy stuff. And then after that, um, I would... Initially, I took a 10-minute bicycle ride to the training ground. Mm. But it was very slopey. Okay. So, <laughs> the first few weeks I was there, I cycled the training Wait, and I was slopey. like slopey and a lot of hills. No, no, so
1: going up or going down
2: <laughs> going up on the way there okay.
3: <laughs>
2: coming down on the way back okay. yeah. so I reached the training ground a bit you know, yeah. like Whoa, what's this bro so I was like I requested for a, for a car and they got me a, a small Prius or something mm-hmm. so that was my day I would have breakfast I would drive to training uh, and training doesn't end when training ends over here it ends when training ends yeah. but over there when training ends you do your own training.
0: You know, the strikers
2: will do finishing. Uh, So, um, I had an interpreter, one of the coaches and he will work with me on my technique Mm -hmm. and, you know, we will go through videos and seeing how we could improve this and all that. And it's very, very, there's this huge obsession on trying to improve as a player. Mm -hmm. And, and then... Sorry, but
0: is that not the case here? Huh? Is that not the case here where where coaches won a play are, to develop-
2: their coaching team numbers probably 10 to 15 people coaches ah. so there's more you know if over here if you want extra work after training you call your coach and then yeah but how many coaches you have yep. you know with respect to the whole team over there you can have a coach just working on you right and and there's a gym below the changing room mm-hmm. and so, you know, players will be doing the recovery. There's ice bath there. Everything Everything is that you need as a player is there. So, after that, we'll, go, we'll head off for lunch, take a nap. And then in the evening, it's second session of the day. And yeah, after that, and then it's eat sleep and train repeat. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, basically, life there as a footballer is just football and nothing much else. Which is totally different from here, lah where
2: Well, at least for me, lah, like, I went there with no I didn't bring family along. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. bring uh, my girlfriend along. So it was just me and football, yeah. you
0: did, did you feel that uh, when you came back to Singapore that you much improved as a as a player? Do you feel that way straight away?
2: Can't really say that Hey, right? but like um I was determined to take what I learned over there and, okay. and, and apply it here. So what um, were the
1: Takeaways from Japan. We have Japan's team. The main takeaways.
2: Who prep work. Mm. How we, how they prep for trainings. Um, so they would come with their foam rollers and their bands, and just to get them in the best possible state to train. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't end after training. They they do their ice bath and all that. Um, I didn't used to give two hoots about ice bath. Mm. When I first started playing, I was like, <laughs> I'm not going in there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, after that, you realize it's, it's, it sh- actually helps. Um, game prep, you know, when we watch um, uh, videos of your opponents and the level of detail they go into and in, in Japan, they were like, so you can actually, when they watch games or Analysis of the opponents. They actually zoom into okay. This player likes to receive on his left, on his right. Mm. How's his touches like? Um, you know what kind of balls does he like to give? So I tried to take some of that and you know incorporate it into what I had here.
0: But in Singapore, are you given the the resources to look back at videos to see like you know how uh, a potential forward they are facing for the weekend is mm. going to trap the ball, which mm. side he likes to attack, or is it something? Is it homework they have to do on your own accord?
2: Oh no! The at Aokang, they they do provide us with video clips. Ah, okay. Um, but on my own, I like to watch the full game mm-hmm. of whoever I'm playing next.
0: Uh, when you watch a game uh, of your opponents, what do you look
2: out for in specifics? Uh, Trade secrets. Uh, <laughs> no, usually, like who I'm likely to be up against. Okay, let's talk about Stepe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played like, Sailors recently, so I was I'm was familiar with him, right? But you know, I thought okay, watch him again, and I shouldn't reveal too much. <laughs> <laughs> reveal as much as you can. Reveal as much as you can. Yeah. So no, I know him. I know him well. He's a very, very dangerous player. If you give him time and space, he can really unlock defenses and he can mm. find that little bit pockets of space in the box. So I, I had to keep a close eye on him.
0: Mm-hmm. And he worked wonderfully well to a certain extent until uh <laughs> 2. point, point, one point from... gain, I don't know. What you
2: see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah uh, this is this is a question that just came into my mind. Yeah. Can you explain to us um, what exactly Zach and in recent times, Lionel are the doing pants, when the they pants. pull up the pants so high? I
2: have zero idea. I refuse to be a part of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you won't catch me dead in that kind of pants. Yeah, so, because uh, hashtag Ahmad Latif, uh. Yeah, I mean, the pants <laughs> is super high up. I have been wanting to find out why uh, and, and and if you watch the games uh, Anders is the only one in the back line in terms of the three-man defense that doesn't put his hands yeah, up no so ridiculously why. high
2: uh, but okay even Anders doesn't know why, why the I, I it. did it once in training we were doing tactical work and I looked to my left and I see Zach with his pants all the way up here yeah. and I see Lionel also with his pants up here and <laughs> <laughs> <like>, I'm like I also
0: but uh, not in games huh? uh, no, no, no 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 in, in terms of like uh, a more tactical talk right um, at Geylang you were playing in a back four Is it safe to say, yeah? And then in Haogang now, it's been predominantly a back three, or some might say back five. Uh, As a defender, as a centre back, you know, does it make it easier for you if it's a back three or back five because you have less one-on-one defending to do? How does that work?
2: No, when we are on the offence, we are a three-man back line, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have a balancing player, but it's just about uh, knowing who you are playing with. You know, back in Geylang, I had Yuki. Mm -hmm. Now I have. Um, Zach on my left and Nas on my right and you need to know, I need to know their strengths um, like Nas is very dangerous going forward yes right so sometimes I need to cover go, for tell him go go yeah. and now oh, stay uh, Zach is a he's a strong lad you know he's a he's a bull mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has ever knocked him over yep. put him on his ass before <laughs> yeah. but
0: defending wise does it make it easier? Uh, do you find yourself doing more defending when it's a back four?
2: Not, not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily.
0: So, if you if you were a coach in the in maybe in the future you never know right, um, how would you set your team up? Would you say that a, a back five or a back three is the way to go, or do you think back four gives the team more opportunities to play, or is it really dependent on the players
2: that you have? Depends on the players you have and who you're playing against, right? Mm-hmm. If you know you want to play a very deep defensive block, then a back four wouldn't wouldn't do it. Right?
0: Yep. So you're you're fine as a defender to be in that deep block you you think it's fine you, do you feel like it takes away from your attacking capabilities do you feel that way
2: yeah some people will say yeah you know, you're parking the bus yeah. but what we're doing is we're controlling space mm-hmm. you know you can tock in front of us but you're in front of us you know as long as you don't pick the passes behind mm-hmm. uh, as long as you stay disciplined then and it works
0: so the, the the most um i would say comparison i can make is with Jose Mourinho right? a lot of people ah. criticize him because parking the bus, <laughs> parking the bus uh, parking two buses yeah but you play in a, in a system. You play in a system where uh, it's a bit similar in a sense where you guys defend. You have a defend first policy. Uh, does it make it frustrating for players though? Like from the outside looking in, I think it's a safe assumption to say ah, the players don't enjoy that. It's so much of concentration
2: that goes into it. Mm. Do you Do you agree with that? No, I think uh, for for our <clears throat> at the start of the season, our issue was conceding goals. Yep. Right, and and the coaching staff and the players. You know we. We had a talk and we were like, okay, that's something we need to fix, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, you don't, if you're if you not defensively sound, then you're never going to win games. Right? Yep. So that's something we worked on a lot during the the circuit breaker period when I mean, we broke up into our groups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had two defensive defender groups and we really just worked on it. And it really helped. We, we, we trained with the same four other players, you know, every day. You really, really get to know them a lot better.
0: Yep. Uh, and and he's been showing in the games as well. I think the defense has tightened up, uh, considerably well. Uh, mm. If you take away the last game, of course, uh, yeah. a a game to forget. Yeah. Uh, but let's yeah. move on from that. I think one of your proudest moments in your football career has been your national team call up. Mm. Uh, talk us through how you got the call up. Uh, was it? Did it come straight from Sundram or did someone inform you? No,
2: it came from Leonard. Okay. Who was your team manager? <laughs> Who was, at yeah, I was at Geylang at that point, and I was, I was in school. I was studying. Studying mm-hmm. and he called me and I thought he was pulling my leg, man. I was like, No he way. You didn't man. think so. I had no no idea that that it would it had come. So but But this... you were playing well, right? You didn't think that like if you continue, the call up could come? Well I'm not I'm not twenty years old, I'm not nineteen, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you're up and coming youngster, then yeah who who looks at a twenty six year old, twenty <laughs> seven year old, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when it came I was you know best best feeling ever.
0: Who do you call first? Huh? Who do you call Who'd after call? finding out about your call up?
2: I did not need to call. Right? My 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 mates were all beside me. I was like, yeah, this guy's shitting me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and when you joined up with the national team for the first time, uh, how was it feeling like? Um, you know, were the players welcoming? Because, like, in a certain sense, I would say, besides the the ones that you knew from the NFA days, mm-hmm. uh, these are all new guys that you're you're mingling with. How was the reception like?
2: Uh, the this it was a huge honour you know the training jersey really had a national flag yep. right? so the moment I put it on I was like okay it's getting real um, and you're familiar with some of the players you're in the same team but you're also familiar in the sense where you played against them
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and then after a certain point the overseas based players will come back and then you're like wow okay <laughs> this is real you know people like Harris and all they are back yes. um, and then but it's I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it was a very huge honour.
0: How was training like? I mean, is a step up obvious? Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> step up meaning?
0: Like, do you feel like the quality of training, the intensity of training was a, a notch above what you were having uh, at club level?
2: Yeah, maybe slightly above. Mm-hmm. Um, could be, you know, in no small part to the pressure that that you have, you know, Wearing the national team jersey, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. But you know, after you get over your your first initial nerves, then then
1: it was fine after that. What about uh, the intensity in the national team training? What about the intensity? Yeah, was it was it the same as your club club training? So like were
0: players going in harder than like at club level. I don't know. No difference. No though. difference. Like yeah, you still going hard. Everywhere, oh, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Do you remember vividly your national team debut? Yeah, yeah. So, when was it? That was against uh, Maldives. Maldives. Yeah. This yeah, is a Bishan stadium. stadium.
2: National stadium. National stadium. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah came so... on, I came on in a 70 something minute mm-hmm. for, for, I think it was real fun. Okay. Yeah. And your parents were there, I assume. My parents were there, yeah. They were, they were thrilled, they were very excited. So fair I to think say. five minutes in, I got a yellow <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you guys win the game? Yeah, yeah. yeah you you won the game. Um, of course, I mean, coming after the game, um, what do your parents say to you? I mean, for them to see their son grow up, mm. go through, uh, achieve his dream of being a professional footballer and then now is the bonus, right?
2: Yeah, I to- think they were very proud. They were they were very happy. We went for a meal to celebrate. Yeah.
0: yeah. And just want to touch on that. I mean, uh, I've been at games uh, in the local league um, whenever Anders has a game, mm. his mom and dad are always there, without okay. fail. Every mm. game, your parents are there, and it's not the case for. That's why I'm. I keep myself out of trouble, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, one question I have is, you know, do you do you play with the thinking that my parents are watching no. me? You don't at all. Not at all. How, how do you put that away? Because I'm. I'm asking this because, um, not being mean here, but mm. when you take to the field, you mm. are no holes. But yeah. let's let's put it away you you take no prisoners for a challenge mm. in a certain sense do you do you feel like that's your game and how did that side of you develop
2: that is I'll tell you a quick story when I was in JC we had a friendly match against mm. I think it was Rovers Prime League or something okay right and it was at the old VJ there's a track around right and then I think like 10-20 minutes in I see my parents carrying those plastic chairs walking to the other side of the field I'm like yeah okay sure <laughs> Five minutes later, I get myself red carded. <laughs> uh, yeah, Put they done setting up, he uh-huh? just <laughs> put it on <out laughs> <laughs> his chair and <laughs> sees me getting a red.
0: Yeah, now, which where where does this side of you come from? I mean, this taking no prisoners. Uh,
2: I think if I if I were to you know wind back the years, my my strength has been you know I I I don't have the speed that some of the players have. I don't have the technical ability, but uh I think at JC level I started to get bigger. I had more, you know, relative size to other players. And mm-hmm. then you know, I want how do I turn that strength into something stronger? Right? So you just go a bit yeah. nuts sometimes. Nuts-er. Uh Commandos had a huge part of the play. Okay. Um which is where
1: the nuts part comes, uh. A
2: lot of nuts. <laughs> a lot of nuts. <laughs> uh yeah, they over there you, you know, we learn, you know, never never give up. Always, always do your best. Yeah, whatever it takes. And and the team culture, that was very important. In Commandos, we operate as small teams. Mm-hmm. Which is what we do in football as well, right? And teamwork, you know, you're only as strong as your, your weakest link. And that has been taught to me ever since then.
0: Okay. The obvious question would be, do your parents give you feedback on your games? I mean, uh, they are there every game, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They my, do?
2: my dad watches, he will go back, he will record a game on TV. Wow, okay. Uh... Because now, you know, now you can't watch games in, in stadium. Yeah. He will watch and then he'll like, he like, you know, drop me little snippets. I saw what you did there. You know, mm. I like how you did that. You know. And do you receive this feedback well? I mean, do you take on yeah, board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do? We have interesting conversations about it Yeah.
0: Okay, that's nice. Because, I mean, there are, there are yeah, some people who... They are very supportive. Who, yeah. And watching them, you know, coming for every game, I mean, before this whole uh lockdown period, um, how, how do you feel? I mean, in terms of... You say, like, you don't really think about them when you're playing on the field. Um but is it a pressure that you got used to like was there pressure in the beginning or there's never been this pressure
2: No um No I don't think there's ever been this pressure they are always They are very supportive they always um like in the last match you know I noticed my boot was going to start splitting okay so at half time I called my dad I was like I got a spare pair of boots in in the back of the boot. <laughs> Can I have it, please? <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, but the boots held out. Mm-hmm. Shafi Ghani had a spare pair for me. So.
0: Right, so so in a sense, you would say that uh they're more encouraging than the pressure. You would yeah, say. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Um
0: before we end off uh the podcast show itself, uh, there's one particular topic that I'd like to address. Um, we all know that 2020 has been a tough year for for shit most of year, us. Yes. It's a shit year It's a shit year, basically. <laughs> and um I understand from a personal perspective that uh, it's been tougher on you uh, due to certain things that have happened in your personal life. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking this and I'm bringing this into the picture because um, we know that footballers don't open up because of a fear of ah the coach might think that I'm not in a good mental state and mm. then he might not play me. Um, could you expand on, you know, why 2020 was, was tough for you and do you ever open up about it to your coaches, to your fellow players? Did they know what was going on with you?
2: Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, it happened start of the year when, when I I lost someone very close to me. I lost my wife. She she left. Um, or rather, we said we went our own ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when when you play football, you always for me at least, I always want to do my best on the field. Okay. Right, and I always try and draw the line between my personal life and my professional life. Right? I don't want to let things that is going on affect my performance on the pitch. And I think a few weeks into the season, it started to get a bit noticeable. Some of my teammates noticed, my coaches noticed that something was a bit off. Mm-hmm. And and Clement came, pulled me aside after training one time. You know, I told him what happened. And I'm very fortunate because they have been very, very supportive. You know, and we know after that, the whole lockdown happened. Yeah, And I was in no right, frame of mind to, you know, train on my own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told Clement, I said, I can't, I really need to take time myself. And he was very, very supportive. He was like, you know, take all the time you need. You know, if anything, you know, we have your, we have your back, basically. And family and friends also are very, very important. You know, when you, uh, when you're dealing with something that you think you can't, yeah, it's you know, as much as you want, you don't want to rely on other people. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it's just you know, just 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 a phone call, just reach out, you know.
0: What what uh, made you make the move to, you know, tell Clement, for example, about what was going on? Like, um you, did you make a decision by yourself that like I'm not gonna share this with anyone? Uh why why do you make the decision firstly to not share with, share this with people at first? Was it embarrassment? Was it um I don't want them to think of me as weak? What was it? A bit of
2: both, maybe mm-hmm. a bit of both. Uh, I I'm the sort of person where you know if I'm dealing with something, I try and deal with it. You know, if I really can't, then you know, I'll seek help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always I've always faced my my problems head on, but I got to a point where it was a bit uh, unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't sleeping right, mm-hmm. and that and football is. A bad mix. Yes, mm. very bad mix. Uh, but I don't know. For me, I think maybe I channeled my aggression wrongly in training. I maybe went a bit over the <laughs> top sometimes. I think Stevie can attest to that.
0: Um,
2: uh, do you? Would
0: you encourage fellow players? Because um, you might say that this is a personal thing, right? That um, you did not want to open up. Mm. But do you think also that football plays a part where because of the environment that you're in? Uh, players don't want to open up players don't want to talk about their struggles um, and it's not just in Singapore we we yeah. see it around the world where mm. lots of players open up about their depression and their mental state of mind after they retire but not when yeah. they're playing um, how can we encourage footballers to open up and be transparent
2: with what they face I think the difficulty we face is that we we're in a you know we play as a team right but we don't realise that yeah, you rely on each other on the field but off the field, right, sometimes, uh, you know, it's okay to, to you know, reach out, seek help, talk to people, um, you know, you're not alone. The other, you know, if, you know, I have my issues, I'm sure other players have their own issues. Yep. Um, support from the club was also very important. It was a huge help for me.
0: Uh, but, but but do you feel every club will be that way? Every coach should be that way? Like, you are quite gifted that Clement is such a person where he's Mm. able to have the personal bond with his players uh, but Mm. not every coach is like that, right? For them,
2: performance comes first. Yeah, I wouldn't say every coach is like that but uh, you know, if not the coach, maybe the manager, maybe the kid man, maybe Mm -hmm. someone, someone in the club, you know, someone. Mm -hmm. um, Would
1: would you say that football in general is just a very alpha
2: environment? mm, Especially on the field, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Maybe that, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, yes and no, good and bad. <laughs> uh, you know, on the field, you you know, you try and be mad, you mm. try and, you know, hard knocks, you know. Uh,
1: Would that be a reason why players don't want to open up?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a whole, maybe there's a stigma. Mm. Yes. You know, you don't want to show signs of weakness. Mm. Um, and, you know, we try and, you know, if you're working a normal corporate job and you have something on your mind, it's it's easy for you to, you know. But in football, you can't, you know, you you need to be 100% focused all yes. the time when you're training, especially when you're in matches. And if you have stuff on your mind, that really affects you. So, the whole psychological aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. the mental health and all that, it's a, uh, yeah,
0: but, but you're in a better place now, I assume.
2: I'm in a much better place now. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's quite visual uh, to see. Uh, <laughs> but sorry. just to, sorry, just to close off that yeah. topic in a sense, uh, how would you encourage fellow players to make that move, to just open up? I mean, it did wonders for you, I assume. Um, How can we encourage others to follow
2: in a similar vein? Um, Don't, don't keep it to yourself. I mean, if there's anyone listening Call me, drop me at a DM or whatever, you know. Don't don't suffer alone. You know, you're not alone. Um, yeah, just, you know, reach out, you know, the other players, you know, we're friends. Yeah, on the pitch, yeah, I'll kick you, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, off the field, you know, happy to have coffee, whatever, you know. Yeah, not, people willing to listen yeah, There are always people willing to listen and help. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's also good that the circuit breaker is is done done with. Yeah, how how was it for you during the circuit breaker? Like you can couldn't even go out, couldn't yes. even meet anyone, and then had, had to stay alone. Yeah,
0: and go. it must have been so tough, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to, you know, fix whatever happened, and then the whole lockdown happened, and hands were tied. Uh, took a lot for me to, you know, just recalibrate.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and um, maybe the whole lockdown did. Yeah, it hurt, but it did help. You know, suddenly you have a lot of time to yourself. You know, you mm. you go back and you reflect, reflect and you yeah. think, okay, uh, spend time with your family.
0: Yeah, and thanks so much for opening um, yep. the door for for others to listen and realize that mm. there is a listening year if need be. Uh, we'll end off the the podcast with you know asking you about your move to Haogang Um, did you feel like it was the right time for for you to make a step away from Gelang and go into a team that was going to compete uh at the Asian level?
2: Mm. It wasn't easy for me to leave Geelang. I was, you know, I always have uh, very fond memories, very good friends there, Nawi, someone I respect a lot. Yep. Uh, so it wasn't easy for me to step away from that. But uh, I wanted a new, a new challenge, a new environment. AFC, um, and Clement and Salim were coaches that I was familiar with, you know, back from my youth days. So was really you know the right I felt at that point was the right step to make
0: okay uh, before we end off the podcast of course we have the rapid fire round five questions that we require immediate answer to uh, we start off with the first question who is the toughest forward that you have faced in the
2: SPL toughest forward mm-hmm. Faris Ramli Faris Ramli why Faris Ramli oh you mean like now no I mean Faris Ramli is a perfect answer but why him <laughs> well I can count how many yellow cards I got off him <laughs> and he's he's, uh, he's embarrassed me a few times
0: not Jordan Webb. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question. Your most memorable moment in uh, Singapore football?
2: Playing for the national team. Okay.
0: Uh, third question.
1: Okay, third question. If you could be a lecturer at a university, what would you teach?
3: Art. Art? Art. Yeah.
1: You graduated with a business degree. Business degree. I don't oh, want to do art. business. Anymore. I want to do something different.
2: <laughs> I wanna like draw stuff and yeah. Are you good at art? I dabble a bit in free time. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah um, fourth question. A former footballer or coach you would love to hear from on the final whistle. A former former football footballer or coach that you would love to hear from?
0: Who'd be a good guest basically?
2: Oh, who you wanna bring here? Mm. Yeah. So not very rapid, uh. <laughs> has Nolly been here? No. So he will be a
0: good guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, someone that we will add to the
2: short list. <laughs> hey, you never done a, like a tech team, uh? Haven't. Huh? So who would be a good tech team? You get. Oh, get Nolly and get. Oh, Gavin has been here. <laughs> yes. Get get Clement and get Nolly. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Uh the last question is, of course, uh what is your wish for Singapore football? <sighs>
2: 2034. <laughs> uh come on. Come on. Why, why, <laughs> why? <laughs> uh I wish that we would somehow go back to the days when our stadiums are filled. And you know, it's not always about EPL. There's always, yeah. you know, about you know, local football.
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect answer, short and sweet. Uh thank you, Anders, for coming on the show. Thanks, really thanks, enjoy thanks. your insights. Uh Thanks Again, for thanks for opening up to us. Uh, I yeah. think it would be beneficial for everyone listening, not just footballers, but you know, anyone in, in, yeah. in, in any walk of life. Um, just got to open up and, and uh, speak to someone about your troubles mm-hmm. if you want to. The door is always open. Exactly. Thanks so much, Anders. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Anders today. If you liked what you heard, do subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and share it with your friends and family. We're 30 episodes in and going strong. Thanks to your support.